Uh, Chuck and Lori are newer to the church. They're not newbies, but boy, weren't they just a blessing this morning. Just love their hearts. They have been pastors of a church, their own church, and they are traveling ministers, and they're actually going to be leaving us for a few weeks, and I'm very sad about that, but uh, we believe that people have missions from God, amen, and they should go do their purposes in life, and then they come back home. Do you hear me? Mama said, come back home. <laughs> but uh, I also want to acknowledge very briefly, um, in the back when you came in, um, you would see a board. The youth ministry is raising funds to go to Gen Z for Jesus in California. And so uh, we got a really beautiful offering last week, and you can continue to sow into that. And they've got envelopes. You can just snag an envelope, uh, what level you want to help with, 50, I don't know how low they go, but 100, 300, 1,000. I don't know what you want to give. But you can grab that envelope, and then over the next couple weeks, just uh, fill that out so we can get them there. Amen? We believe that they're going to really be touched by the Lord. Well, I am so glad you're here today. My favorite thing in life to do is church. I love church. I love the bride. There's nothing better than it. I live for every Sunday. I know you guys have lives and jobs and children's, but I live for Sunday to pour into your life. When I was a little girl, I used to live to be a school teacher. And this is a true story. I was in my bedroom, and my parents indulged me, which was absolutely wonderful. I had my own little table, and I had a grading book. I had my own students. There were some very naughty ones, and there were some very good ones. Some got A's, some got D's, because they just weren't good students. You know, and then I got filled with the Holy Spirit, and it awoke the calling of God in me. And uh, then I began to pretend to preach the gospel in the mirror. Thousands of people got saved in my bedroom. There was a move of God. There was a revival. <laughs> So uh, there's no wonder that um, I'm doing what I do today. But I am wrapping up our series in the house. I know you guys haven't enjoyed this series. And if you've missed any of these weeks, I just encourage you to jump online and really listen to all. I think there's four of them um, leading up to this one because I believe it will provoke you. It will give you a hunger for God and really understand uh, where the direction of the Holy Spirit is moving. Amen. Not just in our church, but in the church worldwide. So I'm I'm just going to give you the points that we've been talking about. You can go listen, and then I'm going to um, finish with point six today. So number one we talked about weeks ago was a lot of things will try to get your attention, but the salvation of your family should be your priority. I believe God is calling the families back together again. I believe God is restoring family members back again. Your children that aren't serving God are coming back to Jesus. Your aunts, your uncles, your sisters, your brothers, they're coming back to the kingdom of God because God is calling the family together. How many are so thankful for that? Number two, the key to making it through hard times is to make sure you and your family are in the protection of the house, say in the house. You know, the Bible says um, in Hebrews 10, 25, it says, don't forsake the assemblies of yourself together as a manner of some people are doing, but exhort one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. It's so important that we are together in the house, that we are communing, community together. We're encouraging one another. There's accountability. Say accountability. We need accountability in the house of the Lord. It's so important that we are here to hear what the voice of the Lord is saying. Number four was a church that goes into battle without focusing on the next generation is a harmless church. 
because the next generation is a weapon, praise God. And we see us as a church putting the baton into the hand of the next generation and cheering them on to run the race of faith. Last week, I point five was it's time for the church to be heard and fight, amen, like never before. We should have a voice of righteousness, a voice of authority, but in love, amen. Uh, but we should know what the word of God says in this hour. It's not enough just to get by with some old word. It's time to get some new word, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But number six, my last point for this series is God is calling the church to get out of the comfort zone. Amen. It's time to get uncomfortable because there are some days and topics and situations that we are facing in the world today that are uncomfortable topics to talk about. Amen. We know you have coworkers and friends and family members that don't understand culture according to the word of God and they don't understand why we may disagree with certain things and we can't just avoid them. We can't attack them. You know, I've been seeing on social media so much attack against the bride of Christ. I will never go to church again. You know, because church is this and church is that. And my heart is we need to be in the church and be what you want the church to be. Amen. We should be teaching our children. We should be teaching the youth. We should be greeting at the door. You are the church to be the church. And I hate it when people bash the church because it is the bride of Christ and it is the heart of God. And there's no better place to be than in the local church. But we're going to have to be willing to get a little uncomfortable. And I believe that God is kind of lighting a fire under our seats. I won't say which one. But he's provoking the church to wake up. He's provoking us to get back to our first love. He's provoking us to lay down and crucify our flesh and, and do the things that we used to do 10 years ago, but they're going to become a joy in our life once again. God really wants the church to wake up in this hour. It's not the sweet by and by anymore. But it's also the greatest season of the church. Because the church is going to shine in this hour. We're going to move in signs and wonders and miracles. And we're going to see people healed and delivered and set free. We're going to see the harvest come in because salvation is being released to Phoenix, Arizona. We're going to see them. Church is about to get fun. But we have to be willing to get out of our comfort seat and do what the Holy Spirit is asking us to do. But what is so beautiful about God, and we'll go over it a little bit here, but I just want to release peace to you because not everybody will do the same thing, and that's okay. You know, last week I really talked about, you know, marching and, and waving the flags, and, man, I want to be right in the center of all that. I'm like, hallelujah, I'm a flag waver. But you may be like, I'm not going to wave no flag, Pastor Barb. I'm not going to go down the street. And that's okay. You do the portion the Holy Spirit's calling you to do. Whatever that is, if it's to wave a flag and march around the Capitol and pray, let's do it. But if you're called to pray and intercede in your closet, then you intercede in your closet. If you're called to be a, a conduit of money into the kingdom, then be a conduit of money. You don't have to be all things, but be who the Holy Spirit's calling you to be. Because that's the only accountability we have in the kingdom. What is my portion? If you're supposed to serve in the nursery and hug those little babies and sing Bible songs to them, then you hug those babies and sing Bible songs to them. There's not one place in the kingdom that's higher or better or lower, amen, as long as we're doing our part. And that's why God's saying, get out of the comfort zone and let's do what the Holy Spirit's telling us to do. There's a shaking. How many feel, you don't have to raise your hand, but it's just like this still small voice of the Holy Spirit. And he's going, come away with me. Come, just come to the secret places. Get away from the busyness. 
I want to talk to you. I want you to get back in the word of God. I want you to write in your journal. I want you to hear from me because the Holy Spirit is desperately calling his church back to him. And not in just corporate. Corporate's wonderful, but he's calling us back to those intimate places, isn't he? So our theme scripture last week was this, and this is where I'm going to uh, launch pad this morning, is Esther 4, 13 through 14. The nation was being destroyed. They were about to be in genocide, and God had to move on people and make them uncomfortable. And it's only when we get uncomfortable that God changes a nation. We can't keep doing what we've always done and expect the world to change. We have to be willing to do things that the Holy Spirit's calling us to do, even if we don't like it. Amen. So let's look at Esther. It says, and Mordecai told them to, the answer to Esther, do not think in your heart that you will escape the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. Don't think, church, that just because we have happy church that it's going to change everything else out there. Amen. He's called us. And he said, um, the people of Israel did evil, oh, excuse me, I'm sorry. And Mordecai told them, do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet, who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And I believe the church of Jesus Christ needs to get all in right now. I don't want God to use another church down the street. I don't want the Holy Spirit to bypass us because we're not willing to get out of our comfort zone, hear the voice and the calling of the Holy Spirit to begin to take care of his house, take care of his city, gather our children, gather our families, and let the Holy Spirit move. We're going to go into Nehemiah. We're going to talk about some things that Nehemiah did. And he was a cupbearer to the king, and he was living the good life. He had all the delicacies. He had all the riches. I mean, he did have to have a chance of drinking poison. But overall, he was living a happy, comfortable life. But God wanted to interrupt Nehemiah's life. We can live in our easy, comfortable life, and we, we can do what we've always done, and, and we can be happy and take care of me, mine, and, and what belongs to me. But the Holy Spirit's going to visit you and try to interrupt your life. Because there's something greater than in the moment you're living in. I personally want to be shaken to a place that I'm living something than the mundane life that I've been living. I want the Holy Spirit to interrupt my life. What do you want? So here, here he is. He's living the good life. But all of a sudden he started having this unction. What's going on with my people out there? See, we can get so surrounded with our own, what we're, what we're living in, our situation, our circumstances, even if they're good, bad, or ugly. And we forget the people that are broken and destitute out outside of our little walls and the Holy Spirit began to speak at least I'm sure it was God or the Holy Spirit began to speak to him and he began to think about the children of Israel even though he wasn't in their presence and that was the voice of the Spirit trying to open up his eyes that Nehemiah you're not going to stay in your comfort zone anymore there's a broken Jerusalem there's a broken people if you don't take care of it there'll be generations that will be cut off and won't exist anymore this was a big task and I believe we're living in that time in the world today, that there are generations the enemy wants to cut off. They don't want them to know the power of God. They don't want them to know the true God and the salvation of our Savior. And they're being lulled away and pulled away from the church. And we need to say, God, what are you speaking to me? What are you troubling in my heart so that we can bridge the gap to the next generation and pull them in and give them what they need? 
And that's why we're pouring into our remnant youth ministry and the next generation. So I want to look at um, Nehemiah um, verses 1 through 3. No, Nehemiah 1, 3 through 4. And it said this. And they said to me, he asked, how were, the, how were the children of Israel? They said to me, the survivors who are left from captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The walls of Jerusalem are also broken down and its gates are burned with fire. Now from 3 to 4, there's a huge gap there. And I don't mean in time, but I mean in Nehemiah's life. Verse 4, it says, and so it was when I heard these words that I sat down and I wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heavens. There was something significant that happened from verse 3 when he inquired what's going on with God's people to verse 4. And I believe that we as the church of Jesus Christ are between 3 and 4. That we see what's going on in the world. We know what's happening in this generation. We know the confusion and all the lies of the enemy. We know that the church of Jesus Christ is being beaten up and questioned. But what are we going to do about it? Are we going to just keep inquiring? Are we going to keep seeing a lost generation? Are we going to keep seeing things be taken by the enemy? Or are we going to step in and rise up like Nehemiah? Because I believe as God is calling us to get out of the comfort zone and begin to have a passion for what's going on in this season of the world today. I know the church is going to win. I know the end of the story. But there is a part to play that God always uses people for his purpose. And in three, he heard the news. And in four, he acted on it. And what did he do? He wept out to God. His heart of compassion was poured out. We've got to say, God, where is my heart of passion for this next generation? Where's my heart of passion for this city, for the lost people, for the broken people that are all around us? We can't just keep doing what we've always done, God. Lord, trouble my heart for the things that trouble you. Sometimes there's prayer we have to pray because we may, well, Pastor Barb, I don't really care. That's okay. I'm not downing you. It's so easy to get in a place where, like, well, it doesn't really matter to me. You know, my kids are grown serving Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, where do I fit and what's going to happen? But we have to have a passion to say, God, there's something in me in this next season of the church of Jesus Christ, and I don't want to be passed by. I want to be awakened. What's in me? What's, what's my voice? What's my passion and what's my purpose? Because God is shaking the church right now. For many of us, I know it's been me. I've had new wineskins on, and, and they're uncomfortable, and I don't like them, and I don't want to talk about that, God. I want to have the people walk away going, "Woohoo! what a great service. I, you know, I want to make you feel good, and God's like, no, I need those new wineskins to pour out the new oil that, or the new wine that I'm about to release into this nation. And if we just keep being happy and sing happy songs, we're never going to have that ability for God to squeeze out all of that flesh, all of that carnality, all of that comfort zone. But I'm telling you, if you allow the spirit to process you in this next season, you're going to have words come out of your mouth you didn't even know you had. You're going to have an anointing in your hand that you didn't even know you had. You're going to walk Walk through the parking lot and go, I got to pray for you. And you're going to chase them down and say, in the name of Jesus, I don't know why, but I got to pray and prophesy over you. That's what happens when a church is awakened. We begin to look with anticipation. Where can I help bridge the gap of a destroyed generation? It's exciting times, isn't it? You may think, well, it doesn't affect me, but we got to get out of the comfort zone. And we got to do what Jeremiah did. He wept 
before God. He went into fasting and he went into prayer. And those are things that I'm asking the Holy Spirit to awaken in us as a church. God, I don't know what part I play, but I can fast. I can crucify the flesh in a meal, and I can go in my car, and I can pray in the Holy Spirit, or I can just release prayers to heaven. I can do that, God. I can pray. I can get up 30 minutes early in my day, and I can get alone with God, and I can pray and seek the heart of God. I can do that, God. I can serve in the church, God, and I can release some of the other workers that's been serving for a long time. I can do that once a month, God. I can greet at the door and love someone back to life and smile and shake their hand, and that may be the only love they receive that week. I can do that, God. See, those are things that get us out of our comfort zone. Well, I don't want to work with the kids. Well, maybe they didn't either, but they showed up to watch your cute little cuties. And you may find yourself, when the Holy Spirit's giving you the unction, when you obey, all of a sudden you'll find the thing he's called you to do is the thing that you actually love to do. It will awaken something on the inside of you. When I was a children's director for four years at my, my dad's church in Beloit, and uh, I was, God was bringing me to teenagers, and I don't, didn't like teenagers at the time. They didn't like me either. It was okay. It was mutual effect. And I didn't understand them. I was terrified of them. And I got stuck in there for a short minute, like one or two weeks, because my dad was gone. And all of a sudden, this passion. Oh, my gosh, I fell in love with this generation. We took a youth ministry of, like, 12 kids to over 300, and they were getting saved and filled with the Holy Spirit and, and winning their family members to Christ and stop selling drugs on the street. It was a move of God. See, when you make yourself available and get out of the comfort zone, I didn't want to be a youth pastor, but God put me right where he knew my voice could be used for such a time as this. Maybe you've been put right where you're at for such a time as this. Maybe it's in your job for such a time as this. The people around you. Maybe it's in your, your families and maybe you're like, I don't want to be there for my families for such a time as this. God will anoint you and give you what you need in that moment. And so I believe God is calling the church to get back to a personal relationship with him. And I mean Intimate. I mean getting alone with God again and really letting him speak to you. There's something that changes inside of you when you get alone with God. And we have to be willing to say, God, I'm going to do it. My flesh is screaming, but I'm going to get up earlier. I'm going to stay up later. I'm going to turn off Netflix. I don't know, but I know the Holy Spirit's calling you because he's calling me to deeper places. So I know he's calling us. So, but we have a free will. That's a beautiful thing, actually, that God gave us a free will. He's never going to bully you. He's not going to make you, but the Holy Spirit will draw you. He'll draw you. It's that still, small voice. You know the story of Elijah. I don't have to tell you. All this demonstration. Woo, God, you're in all of that. And God's like, no, I'm not. I'm right here. And I'm calling you. I'm calling you. Amen. He's calling us. And we can't always look for the hoopla. Sometimes we have to learn just to sit at his feet. And it says in uh, Joshua 24, 15, in the New American Standard Bible, it says, If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourself today whom you will serve. We have to choose, amen? Am I going to serve the business of my schedule? the busyness of my family, and yes, we have all those priorities, but somewhere in there you can find time for God. 
When I was at my busiest, I was working at another church. I had mandatory hours. I, I had my own health taking care of working out. I, I traveled to see all the, the youth and their games and all that stuff, very active. But I literally looked at my week and said, God will go here on Monday. I'm busy here. God will go here on Tuesday. Sometimes you just have to be intentional and schedule God into your lifestyle. Or you know better than me. We can go weeks on end. And, yeah, we talk to God or we read a little Bible. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the secret places with God where he can light a fire in you again, where he can stoke the flame that he put in there. You only get that in the intimate places with God. You don't get that in your drive-by with God. And Yes, you should have a daily relationship with God, but I'm really talking about sitting at his feet and drawing from. So choose you this day, amen, whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whom the land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Some of the greatest moments of my time as a child growing up, my parents had a Bible study in their basement, and they saw thousands of people come and go. Hookers came down in their basement. We were upstairs when that happened, but hookers came down in the basement, got transformed, saved, filled with the Spirit, new clothes, serving Jesus, life changed. People that came in with drug addictions being delivered and demons coming out of them and them being transformed. People with identity problems and sexuality being delivered delivered and transformed and row after row of the church of assembly God was filled with people from a couple who said I'll just open my basement up and get uncomfortable so that lives can be changed and I watched that I watched my parents do that I didn't lack any love or family time I didn't lack, well, my parents were never there for me. No, when you're doing kingdom, your children are excited about the kingdom. There's something about when you take care of God's house, I'll take care of yours. Well, I don't have time. We better make time for the kingdom of God in what he's telling you to do. Amen. We've got to open up our lives and our hearts for the world so that they can be touched by Jesus. I'm not serving Jesus today because my parents were perfect Christians and they're amazing people. But I'm serving Jesus because I watch them serve Jesus. I watch them get uncomfortable. I watch them have the Bible studies. I watch them get to church early for Sunday school and putting us in church all day long. I didn't regret it. I'm serving Jesus today. I'm on fire today because my parents had me in the house of the Lord. There's no regrets when you put your children in church. And every kid responds different, but they'll always come back to the kingdom, amen? So we got to be willing to say, who am I going to serve in this hour? Am I going to serve the satisfaction of my flesh? Or am I going to get a little uncomfortable for Jesus? Amen? I believe the church is waking up. I do, not just our church, but the church. We're seeing people come back to Christ. We're seeing people come back to the house of the Lord, getting committed once again. Our Wednesday night service is on fire. And if you can be here, I say get here because there's something happening in the spirit. So what happened? Nehemiah was living good, and God interrupted his life. And we have to say, God, do you want to interrupt my life? I'm willing. God gives us the choice to choose him or reject him. In Revelations 3.20, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and he will dine with me and me with him. God's knocking on our heart right now, isn't he? He's knocking on our door. And he's saying, open it up and let me come in. 
Let me have your days. Let me have your weeks. Let me have your time. Let me have your heart. Let me have your resources. Whatever God's calling you to do, God says, I'm knocking, and no one's responding. And he's saying it's time to open up our hearts and let the floodgates of the spirit come in. There is a move of God coming to this nation. And it's just like our, our sweet uh, brother said this morning, it's a suddenly, it's a suddenly, I see a wave of the spirit just crossing America and a move and an uprising. I'm telling you, you're not going to stop what God is about to do. But we have to be ready, amen. We have to be expectant for what God wants to do. God gives us the choice to choose him or reject him. Oh, I just said that. Last point on this. God gives us the choice to walk in his will or walk in our own will. Deuteronomy 30 says this, see, I have set before you. Everybody say see. see. You have to look and see. See, look and see. I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity. In that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments that you may live and multiply and that the Lord your God may bless you in the land where you are entering in to possess it. Woo, God is saying, I've said it before you. You can choose. You can go this road of, of your life that we've lived the last few years, or I'm going to choose the road of life, blessings, prosperity, and favor. And all I'm going to tell you, all God is looking for is your yes. He's revealing to you the sacrifices he wants us to make, that uncomfortable zone. And he's just looking for your yes. And listen, when Nehemiah gave his yes, he said, I've got to lay aside everything that makes me comfortable, and I've got to go check on God's people. And when he said yes, he went to the king, and he said, king, will you grant me the ability to go? And not only do I need to leave, but I need you to pay the bill. He literally said that. He said, I don't have no money. I don't have no cedar. I don't have what I need that, that's going to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, and I need you, king, to pay the bill for me. And so you know what the king said? He said, yes, I will take care of you. And he wrote a letter to the, it's like a title. It's an interesting title. It's called the uh, um, King's Forest. That's what they're called. They're the leader of the King's Forest. And he wrote a letter to the kings in every place that he needed to stop. And he said, give Nehemiah what he needs. And he walked with that letter with the king's signet right through every obstacle, right through every opposition. And he had favor with man to do what God's called him to do. When you submit yourself to God, you may be boxing the air right now. You may be frustrated. God's saying, that's because I'm calling you to get up, get out of your comfort zone, do what I'm telling you to do, and then you're going to get favor with man. Then you're going to get the promotion. Then you're going to get the bill paid. we got to quit looking at what's all out here. i got to take care of this. i got to take care of that. And God's like, no, no, no. You take care of me first. It's like the prophet who told the widow, you feed me first. I only have oil and flour for one piece of bread or bread loaf for my, my son, and we're going to die. And the prophet was bold. He said, feed me first. Oh, I don't know if I could be that courageous. I'm so compassionate. But he knew the principle. If you will take care of the assignment of God, I will do exceedingly, abundantly, above what you could think, dream, or imagine. The church has gotten their eyes so carnal that we have forgotten the supernatural of God. 
And God's like, I'm not going to make you comfortable in the carnal. I want you to see that I'm the king of kings. I'm the Lord of lords. I'm all powerful. And I'm going to supernaturally touch your life. You think your children are way over there? No, they're not because my spirit's already doing this. My spirit's already putting kingdom men of God, kingdom women of God in their life. Holy Spirit's dropping dreams and revelations on the inside of them. When you're looking unto Jesus, the blessings chase you down, and that means your children. Amen? We got to get our eyes back on the kingdom of God. Too long we've been down here, and, and there was things to look at, and he addressed those. There are things that we look at in the natural, but God is saying, get your eyes off of those things. I'm a supernatural God. Why does God call us to get out of the comfort zone? He calls us to use our freedom to serve others. We are not here for ourselves. We got here by someone. And you need to get someone here by you. That is not my job. That is not the pastors and elders and prayer partners' jobs. That's not directors, leaders of the church job. It's your job to get your freedom to serve other people with the truth of God's word. Amen. And the world is looking for truth. They are looking for answers. It's the religious people who don't want to talk about stuff. It always has been the Pharisees, sad so Sadducees, <laughs> and the Pharisees. It's always been the religious rulers. They want to stop the power of God, but not the world. The Bible says that the tongues is for the unbeliever. Yet we're like, well, don't speak in tongues. It might confuse people. No, it won't. It actually speaks to the unbeliever. I have to tell you this. Oh, my gosh. So um, a few years ago, I, and I have two stories to tell. I was walking and praying in tongues on the platform, and uh, we had a women's ministry. And this precious lady came up to me. I think she was in Russian. And she said, I have to tell you, you were speaking in Russian when you were speaking in tongues. I'm like, I was? And so I'm like, what did I say? And the spirit kept saying through the language, God has more for you. God has more for you. God has more for you. There's a power in your prayer language. So this weekend, I, we had a, a little training session, and I was praying in tongues, praying in tongues, and, and uh, someone came to me and said, Pastor Barb, you were speaking in Spanish. I go, I was? That is so cool. I, what was I saying? And you kept saying, little sheep, my little sheep, little sheep, little sheep. Tell me we don't serve a supernatural God. We are so in this carnal mentality, church, and we've got to awaken to the supernatural power of God. Why? Because other people need to experience the power of God. Amen? So what happened? We're going back to Nehemiah. He was awakened, and he wept, and he prayed, and he fasted, and he got his assignment, I must go. Now, something that's so interesting, if you study Nehemiah, you should really take that as your devotional this week, but it says that he went to spy out the land. So he went before everybody and he said, I'm going to spy out the land and see how bad it is. And it's so interesting because this is no joke in Nehemiah 2.13. It says he went through the refusal, refusal gate. And you know what that was? The garbage dump. It was the waste. It was human waste and garbage dump. Sometimes when you're going to get to your purpose, you got to go through the garbage. Sometimes you got to be willing to go through those things that aren't enjoyable and they're stinky. And it's the place where you go, uh, I don't want to do that. It makes you want to resist. 
But because there was a fire, because there was a purpose, and, and God says, you're not going to be comfortable. I'm going to awaken you. He says, I will go through the stinky things. I will go through the garbage, and I will pillage through to see where the enemy is stealing my people. We've got to be willing to go through those things. And he did. And he went through it, and he came back. And there's grace. Let me say, there's grace for what God's called you to do. There's grace. Receive the grace of what God's. If God says, pull your family together, receive the grace for your family. And he'll give you favor in that grace. If God says he wants to prosper your hands to be a conduit to the kingdom, receive grace for your finances. Receive the grace of God. Because God can do what you can't do through grace. It's amazing. But you go to Nehemiah 4.14 and he said, after I looked things over, I stood up. See, I stood up. See, now we're looking how things are. We're going to stand up as the church. We're going to stand up in love. We're going to speak the truth in love. I'm going to mentor people back to life. I'm going to stand up. It means he rose up and he took a stance. And it also meant he went really fast. He went really fast. He said, I'm not going to second guess this thing. I'm going to stand up. And he said to the nobles and the officials and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. It took one hero to stand up. Don't be afraid of the world. Don't be afraid of inflation. Don't be afraid of government policies. Don't be afraid of this Goliath that's in the world. Don't be afraid of them. Why? Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters and your wives and your homes. What do we do first? I'm not going to be in fear. I'm not going to be in worry. Why? Because I am acknowledging God. Remember the God that we serve. Remember the power of our God. He will fight for us. We don't have to bow our knee to the world system. We're going to stand up and acknowledge the God that we serve. Amen? I'm not afraid of no ghost. I don't know why I said that. Sounded right. But we're not afraid, are we? Don't be afraid to speak the truth in love. If you're friends and they're, and they're confused, it's okay. Sit down with them. You may have to Google the scripture verses. It's okay. You just tell them, I don't know it all, but I'll definitely find out for you. I'll pray with you. I'll walk you through this. We don't have to be perfect. You can disarm that. But he said, don't be afraid. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight. It means make war. It's time to do battle. If God's calling you to fast, fast. If he's calling you to pray, pray. If he's calling you to get up early, get up early. Amen. If he's calling you to a department to serve in, then just serve in that department. We've already got so many beautiful families that are serving now. God's been talking to them, and we've been asking him, and they're saying, yes, let me take care of fourth, fifth, and sixth graders. Let, let me show them the love of God. Let me get with those boys and, and be, you know, men around them. And that's a beautiful thing, and I believe God's going to do more of that in your heart. He said, but first acknowledge God. Why? Because God is with you. Something Nehemiah didn't. Now listen, it was a big task still. You read the book of Nehemiah, there was a journey to go down. There was a lot of obstacles, and I'm going to show you just highlights here in just a minute. But he remembered, even though it's a long journey of restoring Jerusalem, God is on our side. And you have to remember that. It may seem like, how are your children ever going to come to Jesus? I don't know, but God does. God knows how to get a hold of my family. God knows how to bring my mom back to me. God knows how to set them free of whatever addiction they're in. God knows exactly what we need to do. Amen. Don't panic. He didn't panic. He didn't freak out. He didn't get discouraged and say, why the heck did I leave the king's palace? 
I could be back in the palace doing all this relaxing, kicking back. King only ate three times a day. It was a pretty easy job. He didn't, he didn't look back. He said, God's on my side. He didn't ignore the passion on the inside of me. He said, I acknowledge God, and then I challenge them to fight. I believe God wants to raise up the spirit of Nehemiah. Amen. God wants to raise up and ignite his kids once again. If you look at Nehemiah chapters 1 through 7, such a powerful thing that happened in those first few chapters. But we see Jeremiah wept, which opened up the passion of God. But what happened because he stepped up? He allowed protection from those outside of the city of Judah and Benjamin to remain a people. Look at that. The enemy wanted to take out two generations of the tribes of Israel. Judah and Benjamin, but because Nehemiah stepped up, he saved two generations that remain today in the kingdom of God. We can rescue a generation if we're willing to stand up and do our part. They overcame. This is the things that you have to overcome when God's calling you. Laziness. You'll find it in scripture. The people didn't want to get up. They got sick of being provoked. They, they had conspiracies against them. Oh, they're doing this and false accusations and they're just doing this. And they got so weary because of the enemy. They were mocking them. There was physical threats of attack against them. But Nehemiah kept standing before him. And the Bible says that he would read the word of God. He would read the law and bring them back to remembrance what God said. And he would say, go eat, drink, and be merry because our enemy is nothing. And that's the voice we can bring as we're restoring. Don't worry about it. God's in control. Stay at your post. Keep serving. Keep loving. Keep giving. Because the end result will be the promised land. Amen. It'll be the walls of Jerusalem given back to God's people. Let's look at Nehemiah 8 through 10. There's a few things I picked out of there. They addressed the people inside the walls. So the first part was addressing the outside, destroying the enemy. Now he's coming and he's addressing the people on the inside. That's where he reminded them about what the law said. The covenants were renewed. He reminded them of their covenants through the word of God. Why do we receive communion? I'm so passionate about that. Before I was like, I didn't really get communion, you know. And then I've just listened to some teachings and God's re reignited in me because you have covenants through the cross. And every time I receive that bread and that juice, it reminds me of my covenant, where I stand, where the promises of God are. So remember the covenants when you're going through it. And the enemies inside were exposed and dealt with firmly. That means the enemy that tried to come in and destroy them, God shined a light on them and drove them out. Nehemiah 11 through 13, things are getting better. People are restored back to obedience to God's word. He took a whole tribes of people who were discouraged and beat up and defeated and tired. Does that sound like the church today? They're tired. People are tired. They don't want to fight anymore. 2020 just took the breath out of us, the hope out of us. But because a, a Nehemiah stood up, the people came back to the word of God. And I'm talking about the undefiled, righteous word of God. Amen. So how can we do this as the church? And I'm wrapping this up. How can we do this as faith builders? Number one, compassion is the springboard to obedience. I'm just asking you to open up your heart of compassion. God's, what's my part to play in the kingdom of God? What can I do in what you're asking me to do? Number two, cooperation with others is so necessary. We saw that in Nehemiah. We need each other. We need each other. 
I need what you have inside of you. You need what I have inside of me. And there's things that you carry and what you do I don't even know. But because God linked us together, there's something you can do at Faith Builders. There's something you can do for the kingdom of God because of where he's planted you. Number three is confident results in prayer, fasting, and the word of God. Amen. We call fast all the time here. We call, let's do communion. We'll just call random prayer. Let's, let's hit the ground and pray because we know the enemy's on the inside. We know that the enemy's roaring, trying to do something. So we're going to drive him out by prayer and fasting. Amen. What will happen if we do those things? Compassion, cooperation, and confidence? Courage will manifest. There will be no school system that will have um, laws that they shouldn't have or policies that they shouldn't have. There'll be, there'll be no hurting people in our neighborhoods and in our city. Why? Because now I'm going to have courage to speak up and do my part that God's called me to do. Amen. I'm going to close with this this morning. I'm going to pray. And I stand strong on this. And I, I have to be mindful myself. But it's this. is Let's not be known for what we're against. It can be so easy to do that in this hour. Oh. And I'm guilty sometimes, like, you know, I can just say very clear what I'm against. But the church needs to know what they're known for. What are we for? The love of God, the hope of God, the joy of God, the restoration of God. All the other things that we're against will just come in. It'll be like a, uh, a conveyor belt. We're going to draw them by love and just wash them with the water of the word. Draw them by love, get them healed and delivered. Draw them by love and they'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what the church should look like. We shouldn't be pointing. We shouldn't be accusing. We shouldn't say that's, you know, no. We should be the church of Jesus Christ. Back to life. Father, I thank you for this amazing church. I thank you, God, that as we close out this In the House series, the Holy Spirit, you will breathe on every word that we heard, God. Lord, over the last five weeks, things maybe made us uncomfortable, things we didn't like, God. But Holy Spirit, have your way. I thank you that this church is dedicated for your purpose, your plan, and that is simply to love people back to life. And Holy Spirit, we receive your voice. Give us ears to hear what your spirit has to say, God. We will hear your assignment. God, we're going to go between three and four, and we're going to hear what you want us to do, God. We thank you for our, our new youth ministry remnant, Father. We thank you for the leaders that you have put together by your spirit. Thank you for Lydia and Franco, God, as they are called to the front lines of to do a mighty work for you. And we cover them as a church, God. We cover this generation. We put the blood of Jesus and a hedge of protection around them, north, south, east, and west. Let them be so guarded on every side that the enemy has no way, no power. We bind every attack against them in the name of Jesus. That they will stand strong and mighty in an authority, God. And I want to give everyone the opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life today. I don't know where you're at, but the greatest gift you can give yourself is to say yes to Jesus. And maybe you need to come back to the Lord. Maybe you've lost your fire and you're like, I don't know how to find my way back. The Holy Spirit can do that. Just say, Holy Spirit, search my heart. Just invite him in. If you found yourself wayward in the desert, in the wilderness, it's okay. Jesus is right there with you. But say, Jesus, come back. I need you back in my life. 
I need you back in my heart. I need a fresh fire. I've gotten away from my compassion and my purpose and zeal. And I just want to be back with you, Jesus. Just let the Lord search your heart wherever you're at from not having Jesus to just really needing to get back in those intimate places with him. And Holy Spirit, I just release you over this body that you just, whatever you have for them, Lord, speak to them. No burdens, Father God. No religious works, but just you, Holy Spirit. And I want everyone to say this prayer out loud with me. Say, Dear Jesus, I'm asking you to be my Lord, the center of my life. Stir up your passion. Stir up your zeal. And give me ears to hear what your spirit has to say. I invite you in. I give you my yes. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise the Lord. I love you all so, so much. I am excited to announce, and if you haven't signed up yet, Celebrate, Recover Celebrate Freedom is in August. They have over 30 people signed up. And I have to give one shout out, and then I'm going to let you go. But um, Anna Robinson, I would never embarrass you for the world. But could you just stay and give a sweet little wave? She's over here. In the she has been with us for a very long time. And uh, we don't get to cross paths too much. She, she oversees the nursery, by the way. She takes care of your babies. And uh, I had the uh, chance to just sit with her a little bit. And the fire in this young girl's heart was shocking. She's a woman of God. I'm going to tell you why I'm saying this. There's a reason. She has a prophetic call, anointing out of her mouth. And it's in beauty and submission and honor. It is just so precious. But as she was sharing something with me, she said, you know, I went through Celebrate Freedom. And I went through Rooted. And she did the homework. She did it. She put in the work. And I knew the girl that arrived. And I saw all that was in her. But she's walking in it today. But I will tell you why. It's because she got out of her comfort zone. She got uncomfortable. Who wants to show up every Thursday night when you're tired as single mama, but she did it? Who wants to come every Sunday night, but she did it? And she put in the work, and I see the fruit of it. And I say that to you because you may think, well, where I'm at, how could I ever get out? Talk to her because she has a story to tell you, the grace of God. But you have to put in the work. you got to be willing to die to the flesh. Get in the groups that God told us. Those two programs are not because they're programs. God told me to do those. God told me to do those two things for you and for your friends and for your family, that they can find a place to really walk in the fullness of God. Amen. This isn't enough. This is like dessert. I always say church is like a vitamin B12 shot. You ever got one of those? They feel really good. They do wear out, so you need another one. <laughs> but that's why Rooted is there. That's why Celebrate Freedom is there. Get uncomfortable. Get in those groups. Meet people. Make relationships. Talk with one another. Trust one another. There are things that go on in those groups I don't know of to this day. Chad and Chrissy are sticklers about that. Sticklers because they want to have the confidence, confidentiality there. What happens in the group stays in the groups. <laughs> Anyway, I love you all so much. You stand to your feet just briefly. I want to release you to this beautiful cloudy day. Hallelujah. Can somebody say amen? 
And uh, I just, I pray joy over you. I pray favor over you. I pray grace over you. I just know the Holy Spirit's going to just speak to you this week and a new joy is going to come into your heart. So God, I thank you for the hedge of protection around them, north, south, east, and west. Let their feet be blessed in every step that they take and let their hands be anointed and blessed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I love you all. We'll see you Wednesday night. God bless you.